2024 marks the 100th anniversary of the Royal Canadian Air Force with celebrations and events planned to honor those who have served and those serving today while inspiring the next generation of RCAF personnel. Visit rcaf2024arc.ca to learn about the RCAF's past and current fleet of more than 200 aircraft, plus the many planned activities including air shows, e-gaming tournaments, the RCAF Run, Canadian Tulip Festival, and STEM activities for youth. Then, on April 1st, in recognition of the positive impact the RCAF has had worldwide, businesses, cities, and landmarks around the world will be illuminating in Air Force Blue to celebrate the occasion. Join the fun. Illuminate your residence or place of work in blue to show your support while joining a world record attempt for the most landmarks illuminated within 24 hours. And when you do, share a picture on social media using hashtag RCAF2024, hashtag RCAF100, or hashtag Your Air Force. Again, RCAF2024ARC.ca to learn more about the Royal Canadian Air Force Centennial. Hello and welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, the internet show that explores the fascinating world of air combat. I am your host, Vincent Aiello. This week, I have another audio musing for you that I'll get to in just a bit. But first, I hope you're doing well and enjoying the holiday season. Tis the season to get with family and friends and do some shopping and enjoy the winter weather if you're blessed with such a thing. We don't get much of that here in San Diego. But I hope you enjoyed last week's episode 181 on Project Recover. Now, it breaks my heart, and a couple things do. I get tired of all the spam calls, and now I'm starting to get these texts like, hey, it's so-and-so, you don't remember me? They're going catfishing. But anyway, it also breaks my heart that the Project Recover video performed so poorly on YouTube, and I guess ultimately it just wasn't salacious enough, which doesn't bode well either for us as a society or the YouTube algorithms. But I was happy to do it, and I was also happy to go to projectrecover.org and make a contribution to the wonderful work they're doing. And I hope you considered doing so as well. Now, for those of you following my personal airline situation, there's not much to report here. I submitted my paperwork to the FAA on the Monday of Thanksgiving, and I'm just playing the waiting game because, well, it's the holidays and it's a governmental organization. So I'll keep growing the beard, I guess, till I hear back one way or the other, and we'll see what happens probably early in January 24 at this point. Now, before we get to the audio music, I have a listener question from Ben in London in the UK who says, should the bizarre situation ever arise where you were asked slash called upon to become completely combat ready and proficient again in your FAA team, what would be involved, roughly, and how long would it take? Excluding any health or fitness issues, how much retraining slash work would be involved for a highly experienced but retired for five or six years pilot to be reconscripted and proficient? Ben, I really enjoyed this question, and I think I gave you a short answer on email, but I think the longer answer is, it depends. Now, you say combat ready, so if that means no kidding air-to-air, like employment, boy, I'm going to need probably two months, maybe three total. I got to hope I could if this is all I was doing. Um, If I just needed to do air-to-ground, I feel like I could get back to that in a month, and if you just wanted me to fly, I mean, come on, I think I could do that in two weeks. You know, ready? Okay, so day one turn my flight gear in, get fitted for all that, uh, jump into the books, maybe do some computer-aided instruction, get some sit-downs with some current pilots to find out what I've forgotten about the F-18, and then take a couple tests maybe on day two, a couple simulators, day three, four, and five, maybe get in the airplane the Monday of the following week, a couple flights, get a solo. Yeah, I, I think I could be ready to go in two weeks, but if you want me to go back to the boat or do air-to-air, well, that's going to take a lot of time. So yeah, I don't see that happening, Ben. 
It's fun to think about, but yeah, I'm pretty much over the hill, dare I say. All right. So if you are just dialing into this episode, I just want to explain what we're doing real quick. But if you follow along chronologically as we release these, then you remember that I am releasing basically audiobooks, but of our blogs, and we call them musings. And so I realized that I needed content, and there are blogs on our website, fighterpilotpodcast.com, that people probably don't take the time to go read. But I spent the time writing them, and so now I'm going to read them for you. And this particular one is called What Makes a Good Fighter Pilot? And it's from August of 2019. Here we go. What's considered a good pilot amongst fighter pilots? When I read aloud this question from viewer Charles Howard, I confessed to being caught off guard. It was early January 2019, and I had been podcasting for over a year. This was my second live appearance on the Aircrew Interview YouTube channel, and I was ready to answer the usual questions like, do you only ever fly the jet with your name on it? Or what's it like to land on an aircraft carrier at night? What struck me about Charles' question is that instinctively, I know what makes a good fighter pilot. I've seen dozens, likely hundreds over my 25-year flying career, but I'd never really stopped to ruminate on the attributes of those in my profession I admired most, the ones who are considered good at what they do. So in a rare moment of clarity, I conjured up several traits that I knew viscerally were key to success, both in air combat and in the ready room. Some may dispute these responses, others may argue these unimaginative answers are key to success in any pursuit, but hey, for a public education, I thought I did okay. The first trait that rushed to mind was that a good fighter pilot must have good situational awareness. And oh, by the way, there are three types of essay. Good, bad, and none. Good essay means you have an accurate mental picture of your position, velocity, and status in time and space and identical information on other aircraft or assets that matter in that moment. A podcast listener once asked me whether good essay can be bred or is otherwise naturally adapted, and I believe it comes with proficiency. Now, that's good essay. Bad essay means you think you have an accurate mental assessment of what's going on, but in fact, reality is far different. And this is, by the way, the most dangerous of the three. And then there's no essay, which means you're simply clueless and don't even know it. And we probably all know people who spend most of their lives with no essay. Another trait that I came up with in the moment of a good fighter pilot is exceptional fine motor skills. And frankly, I don't know why this popped out second, but some amount of fine motor skills certainly is important to be a good fighter pilot. While it may seem to the layperson that flying a fighter is exclusively an exercise in brute force, you know, horsing the aircraft around the sky under heavy Gs, in reality, the ability to finely manipulate the controls is vital whether precisely placing an aiming reticle over a target on a FLIR display or gently engaging a refueling basket. And naval aviators, speaking of that, particularly require the ability to finally manipulate flight controls when they're landing on board an aircraft carrier, particularly at night and during inclement weather conditions because, yeah, if you go to YouTube, you'll find all kinds of videos depicting what happens when fine motor skills are lacking or absent in these instances. Confident but not arrogant. The third attribute of a good fighter pilot stems from my personal crusade to battle Hollywood and social media's stereotyping of fighter pilots in general. And as a quick aside, you might remember one of my earlier audio musings addressed a later article I wrote about fighter pilot stereotypes. Back to the article. Like water for humans, the proper amount of confidence is important. In fact, it's vital. Too little and a pilot is dangerous or untrustworthy. No one wants to fly with him. Too much, and well, hey, we've all seen examples of people who have no trouble with their self-confidence. The question is, which is worse? Too much confidence or too little? 
Well, that's like trying to choose between drowning and hypernatremia, if I pronounce that correctly, which is simply death by dehydration. The end result is the same in either case. You're dead. That's why the good fighter pilot maintains a healthy dose of each, water and confidence. Teachable. Related to the previous tenet, a good fighter pilot does not let ego or any other hindrance restrict the ability to learn from mistakes. Look, there is no such thing as the perfect fighter pilot, although some, like Robin Olds, have surely attained legendary status, but no one has seen or done it all. Everyone can learn something every time they go up. Another descriptor I came up with in that moment for a good fighter pilot is one who is also able to teach. As important as being teachable, you also must be able to teach others, whether it's peers, juniors, or the most difficult of all at times, senior pilots. The hang-up for many pilots is they feel they cannot effectively teach others until they, quote, get it together themselves. But nothing could be further from the truth. Good fighter pilots begin by identifying their own mistakes and the ways to correct them, then tactfully point out the suboptimal performance of any other member of the flight, whether wingmen or flight leads, whoever. It's not about belittling or posturing or any other ulterior motive, maybe trying to make yourself look better, but really making others better. Next, approachable. No amount of skill or talent can overcome a poor disposition. Whether particularly skillful or agonizingly challenged, good fighter pilots must possess the ability to effectively interact with others in any circumstances, in the air, in the ready room, on liberty, at home, wherever. And by the way, during my YouTube answer, I seem to key in on being approachable by children, as if our primary duty is standing in front of static display aircraft at air shows all day long. And that's important too, but secondary to what I said above. Mindful of others. Okay, I admit it. I was reaching by now, but we all remember what happened when Maverick left his wingman and Top Gun. Most would agree this attribute is important in virtually any profession, and a fighter pilot is no different. Helpful. Same for this one. Although I tried to make the case that a fighter pilot should not consider any assigned task to be beneath him. Respectful. This too seems obvious, but I was not simply referring to respecting those who work alongside of us. In true Sun Tzu fashion, I was suggesting you must also respect your enemy. And the, quote, enemy may be as obvious as an actual adversary, but it could be the weather or fatigue or even a well-intentioned air traffic controller who's trying to help you, but if you follow blindly, might actually get you killed. As a young pilot, I was told to assume everyone and everything was trying to kill me. And that advice actually served me quite well. Studious. I've said before on the podcast that I qualify military pilots as equally professional and respectable as doctors and lawyers. I've never been a doctor or a lawyer, but I trust they too are dedicated lifelong learners who endure long years of training and experience to qualify and excel in their professions. Whether reviewing aircraft systems, revisiting tactics, or learning the latest enemy capabilities, there is always something for a fighter pilot to learn, and the good ones must perpetually hit the books. Reference teachable above. Well, anyway, during my aircrew interview on YouTube, Charles nearly won the Stump the Chump challenge, but I was feeling pretty good about my answers and made it through the remainder of our Q&A session with no further surprises. And later, reflecting on the question, I decided it might make an intriguing musing but that a second opinion would be beneficial to ensure I was on target. For this, I turned to a furtive Facebook group comprised of grizzled former fighter pilots. I naively thought posting this was a valid question, but based on the fact that most of the group's posts were political rants and pinups, I probably should have known better. To say the immediate responses were colorful would be a mild understatement, and for the listener's sake, 
I will refrain from reiterating any of them here. You're welcome. However, a few were useful, such as one respondent who suggested good fighter pilots must possess the unending ability to accurately self-assess and make quick decisions. Absolutely. Another response was, quote, the ability to integrate, process, prioritize, and act on a lot of information. And I lump that into my aforementioned situational awareness category. Check. But two responses ultimately restored my faith in the group. The, quote, determination to win irrespective of the odds or the enemy's capabilities, end quote, was spot on and central to this whole exercise. In air warfare, you don't get a trophy just for participating. The winner lives to fight another day. The loser, well, you probably can guess. And finally, one Facebook respondent provided the succinct essence of what being a fighter pilot, particularly a good one, is all about. Quote, silent confidence. An evolved form of humility which embraces the idea you can kick ass but will accept criticism. Well, there you go. All right, once again, that was my August 2019 blog, What Makes a Good Fighter Pilot. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find that and dozens of other articles on the musing section of our website, fighterpilotpodcast.com. And while you're there, check out our merchandise available and pick up a good military aviation-themed book. We have dozens available through Amazon, including many by past guests of the show. So that will do it for this episode and really for this year. I'm going to take a break, I think, through the end of December and into part of January. We'll you know, most likely replay the NORAD Santa tracker on December 24th like we do. Otherwise, I'm going to take a little downtime and enjoy thinking about our six years of fighter pilot podcasting and what the future holds. So that's going to do it. Thank you so much for being a listener. I especially want to thank all my Patreon supporters, even those who have left and moved on. I don't try to beg you back. I just want to say thank you for the support you provided. And if you ever do want to come back, I'll be happy to receive you with open arms. But for everyone, that will do it for our sixth year of the Fighter Pilot Podcast. I appreciate you. Enjoy the holidays. And we'll see you in 2024. So long.